When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. And today's guest is Jerome Myers, right? Using Rocket Pro TPO is like managing a team of all-stars. Our powerhouse squad of purchase underwriters, complete document reviews, and initial underwrites in just one day. With our industry-leading mortgage insurance and with a wide variety of products to use, your mortgage game will have zero weaknesses, helping you and your clients win more closings against today's tough competition. Rocket Pro TPO compete at the highest level. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS Consumer Access dot org number 3030. Yes, yes that's me. <laughs> I, you know what got me confused, Jerome, is that I just talked about the Myers method and I just connected everything. I just connected it. Oh my gosh. And I was just telling you in the greens, you know, in the green room, hey, we got to talk about this Myers method because I don't really understand. I don't get it. What is that weird thing? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I am definitely showing my blonde roots this morning. Definitely showing blonde roots. Well, I'm delighted to have you, Jerome, and I want to just um, introduce you real quickly. So that everybody knows, Jerome left to corporate America to guide people to leading lives of significance by focusing first on living a centered life. Often these people are already in positions of leadership, but feel that they are very alone. And I certainly can understand that. As a result, Jerome creates opportunities for these apex performers to connect with each other so that they can develop solutions to their toughest challenges. So I am so excited to have you. You know, we've had a couple of conversations offline and we just can't stop talking. And I just want to hang out with the coolest kids in school. Jen, you are the coolest kid in school. Well, thanks. No question. (laughs) Thank you very much. So Jerome, tell us about this transition that you had, because obviously you were in corporate America and just, you know, felt alone. You were a leader, but maybe you felt alone and you said, enough is enough. I've got to go do something else. I'm being pulled and compelled to do something else. So tell us about that transition that happened for you. What feel like at that time? And what did you had enough of? I wish it was that poetic, right? (laughs) It's like, oh man, I had this utter calling. 
What actually happened was a phone call at 4.55 on December 24th of 2015. And it went something like this. Hey, Jerome, we've been going back and forth for about three weeks on whether or not we were going to lay the folks off on your team. And yeah, we've decided that we're going to lay them off. I was like, no, you, you can't possibly mean that. Like, we went from two employees to 175 over the course of eight months, and we did $6 million in profit this year, $20 million top line. Like, there's no way that we're not going to have a place for these people in the new year. And it's like, Jerome, I'm not going to argue with you about this. In fact, it's 459. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go enjoy my holiday with my family, and I'll talk to you next year. And the agony and the weight of being the person that was going to lay off about 75 folks for the first time started to weigh on me. And I didn't sleep. I didn't eat for that period. In fact, I stopped celebrating the holidays because in my back of my mind, I knew that people were getting laid off somewhere, even if it wasn't at my direction, even though, you know, somebody else made me do it. It was still my choice, right? But somebody else made me do it. I I would never do this. And so I promised myself that I would never do it again. And I went through the process and we got out of it. And I come to the group that's left afterwards and was like, look, it's my fault. We did this, we did that. And we won't ever have to go through this again. And so we start going through the year and things are going great, highly profitable again. And then there's another phone call Mm. and today it's two days before Thanksgiving this time. (laughs) So I'm standing in front of the room and I'm saying, Hey guys, don't spend all your money. Black Friday, not sure what's going to happen. There's a bunch of things up in the air. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. And so I decided that I was going to exit. I was going to leave corporate America. I was going to turn my back on what I'd spent a really long time climbing building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I really decided that I was just going to bet on myself. If I could do 20 million in revenue for somebody else, then what could I do for myself? Like, could I do 200,000 or could I do 2 million? Like what could I actually create for myself? And so I went on that path, thought I was going to buy an apartment building. That didn't work out. It'll be a recurring story in my life of things not going exactly as planned. Mm -hmm. And eventually we did get into apartments. We've built a pretty large portfolio and spent a bunch of time helping other people figure out how to get the same thing done. Because the goal is for people, from my perspective, to get away from the work they're not passionate about and get into the things that fulfill them, things that make them excited to get up. And a lot of times we choose not to do it. And it was in my case as well, because they don't always pay well, or at least we don't see a way to make them pay well. And so what if you could set up a business where you got recurring revenue coming in and it made you independent or free from having to go to that W2 just because it gives you the money that you want to get? Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, I think that's an important thing. I, you know, I always say sometimes when you're climbing the ladder of success, when you get to the top, you realize you were on the wrong ladder. thousand percent. Right. <laughs> and that's what happens sometimes. I mean, we get on some, some type of path and, you know, whatever, and usually not the first job out of college, but the second or third job out of college, you know, cause everybody gets out of college and tries to take the job they studied for. And then they realize, Ooh, I don't really like this. And then they kind of meander around a little bit and find the right thing. And then they climb this ladder only to find out 
wow, this, I'm not really as happy as I thought I was going to be, you know, here, maybe this is the wrong ladder. And so let me call up, crawl back down and look around and see what other types of opportunities there are that I would be excited to go to. So I think that that's a great story about, you know, helping people find their passion and being fulfilled. It's everything that I talk about all the time, you know, is fulfillment. So, yeah. So, and, you know, I can't imagine being in the position that you were in because of course I've had to let people go, you know, not just lay off, but fire people. And, you know, the angst that I have over doing that for one, for one person, (laughs) I can't imagine how, how uh, compounded that might be, you know, for you. So, you know, when we talk about people's health, that's something that we don't think about either is all of that anxiety will show up years later (laughs) for you years later for all of us. So, so you discovered then, cause I know, I know you, you know, do a lot of investing in real estate too. And this is why you're on this particular podcast is I'm really trying to share with, with my audience, the fact that, you know, yes, we are, well, I used to be, but we are in lending. Yes, we are in real estate as real tours, but there's so much more that we could be doing. And we are so focused on just the loan, the loan the house, the house, the buyer, the seller, right? And not the suit, the uh, peripheral passive income options that we have available for us. So let's talk about your Myers method and how you help people make that transition either from a mindset and or from the mindset and the tactical piece of that as well. Yeah. So the Myers method is really more tied to investing in multifamily, right? And so, and then the red pill is very much mindset and figuring out the center life. And so we can go down both paths because I I can make them. Let's talk about the red pill. Yeah. Let's talk about the red pill first. So for those of you that are listening and not watching uh, the video on YouTube, you know, uh, Jerome has this, the shirt on that says, I took the red pill. And we all know this is from the matrix, but not everybody understands the story. So you may have to come back from, uh, you have to start from the beginning. Yeah. So the 1999 movie, The Matrix, the first one, it was a documentary. It wasn't actually a sci-fi flick. And the main character, Neo, Mm -hmm. is presented with an option by his guide, Morpheus, to pick a red or a blue pill. And the blue pill would allow him to wake up from the dream that he thinks that he's in and continue to live the life that he's been living. And so if you think about being in a rut, if you think about a monotonous life where you come and do the thing, people don't appreciate your contribution. Maybe you got this thing on the side that pays a little bit, but it's not something you feel like you can live off of. That's what the blue pill life is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the red pill where you actually get to pull back the veil and really see how things are working, see the programming that's been embedded in you. And you may not even realize you're running off of that program and putting you in a place where you're just a servant or a slave to the overall system. Yeah. And just so mundane routine over and over. And so Neo took the red pill. And although this line is never actually mentioned in the movie, it's one that I've really tied my life to. And so when we were coming up with our framework for coaching and helping these apex performers get to the next level, because I spend the majority of my time just bouncing around the country, talking to these individuals, because again, most of them end up lonely. What I found was that it's easy for us to think that the world's going to change and we don't have to do anything. Right. And so that's why you have to take the red pill. It starts within and then it radiates out. And so we start with self-image. We start with 
our self-esteem. And really the whole goal here is to keep promises to ourselves. If you can keep promises to yourself, that shows that you're accountable and we can keep walking down that path of, all right, building more confidence because we took action and we got the result that we desire. And then pouring back into that and taking more action. And eventually you create this flywheel that feeds itself. From there, we move to relationships. And in relationships, what happens when people are the source, right? The top of the food chain, if you will, people just come to take from them. They don't actually come in to give. There's not mutual benefit outside of you may be wanting to be a generous person, right? And so what we encourage folks to do is figure out how to make the relationships mutually beneficial. By a relationship only being one way, by definition, it's not healthy. No. So what we want people to do is to get those deposits. And, you know, I guess I'm the guinea pig on this, had a bunch of one-way relationships and I ended up being empty, completely empty. And I was looking for a source. And eventually what happens is you go and try to find an illegitimate source for your legitimate needs. If you don't force the folks that are interacting with you to create mutual benefit. Yeah. And so when you fix your self-image and your relationships, then naturally you're going to be seen as a leader in your workplace. People are going to come to you because you're the person who has the influence. You have the connections because you're a person of character, right? And so that typically allows you to earn more. It also allows you to take a moral stance on things and align your work with your morals and values. This gives you more freedom. And so that actually starts to become rewarding and fulfilling. But those three things, self-image, relationship, and work, are the source of all of our stress, right? And so if we can fix those, then I think we're ready to move to the next level, which is level four of the red pill, health, right? Because we destroy our health trying to numb the pain of the stress. Mm -hmm. And while people think they can compartmentalize it, there's just no way that if your life is in shambles that you're going to be healthy. It just doesn't work because you've got to take the edge off. Very few of us can actually experience life in the fullness if we're overstressed and don't have a healthy way of coping with it. From health, we move up to prosperity. And prosperity is after health because, well, if you have prosperity before your health, you'll spend all your prosperity on your health. Right. And I don't want people to go backwards. I want them to continue to accelerate as they elevate. That's so, so funny. That's so funny you said that because I literally just wrote down a girlfriend of mine, Arwen. She's a financial advisor and she actually co-wrote or contributed to uh, Stephen Bach's book, you know, the, the automatic millionaire. Well, there's a version yeah. for women, right? A women, uh-huh. it's smart women finish first. And uh, she contributed to that book. And she says very much what you just said, which is people uh, spend their, or how does she say it? I had it a second ago. They, I'll just say, I'll paraphrase. They waste their health trying to create wealth. And then later they waste their wealth trying to keep their health. (laughs) Right. So it's very much the same way. And I see it all the time with people. Yeah. So you've got, I love that you've got health and then prosperity, not let's go get the the numbers. Let's go get the goals, the goals, the goals and sacrifice everything else on the way. 1000%. And the thing with the health is, I mean, that's really your only true wealth, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can't enjoy your money if you're sickly, right? And then out of that abundance, right? The prosperity level, which Mm -hmm. is level five, we move to level six, which we think is the, the top level and that's significant. And we believe that the people on the airplane are right. 
you need to put your mask on first. Yeah. So you think about everything that we talked about, it's really focused inwardly. And now that you're full, now that you have overflow, out of that overflow, you give to others, yeah. right? And your time, talent, and treasures. And you can give that as freely as you can. If you're not worried about making money because you're already prosperous, it's pretty easy for you to dedicate some time or for you to give away that talent that you have that you would normally charge for because you don't need to monetize it because that part's already taken care of. And then you don't have the, the grudgery that comes with it when you give something that you don't actually want to give. And so again, the red pill, self-image, relationship, work, health, prosperity, significance. I love that. And, and of course, <laughs> Jerome, you don't know me quite well yet. We're getting there. But you know, I have another podcast called Success to Significance, <laughs> Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. Uh, for this very same reason, I believe that you, in your life, you learn, you earn, and then you return. And, you know, this is what getting to significance is all about. It's making an impact on others around you. It's making an impact on your own personal life. And it's so important for people to understand there is a sequence that needs to happen in order to have true success and happiness. And success can not, it doesn't have to be monetary. It could be whatever success looks like for people, you know, success because I'm doing enough business so I can spend time with my family. That's success rather than doing all kinds of business and not having any of that, right? Family relationships, et cetera. So really, I love that you're doing, you know, that kind of work. So let's talk about, thank you for doing that. So now people are sort of awakened, right? And they now say, well, okay, so what else is there for me out there then? So how do you guide people into finding what their passion is so that they could leave their J-O-B if that's what they wanted to do and then move into finding this passion if it were compartmentalized that they wanted a different role? And then the second part of that is how do you make that passion find its way into passive income as a side gig? Yeah. So I don't know that it will always be passive, right? I think a lot of times we have to figure out what is monetizable from our talents and gifts. And I think this is where most people struggle because they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, I went to school or I didn't go to school for this thing, or I've been working on this for the past 10 years and this is all I know how to do. Well, yeah, but what do you do that actually makes you really happy? Like, what is it that you do that you don't get paid for, but you're really good at, like super talented? And if a person can answer that question, then we pull on that thread and figure out who they can actually serve by applying that talent to a specific problem that people are willing to pay for to go away. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the person that you're serving, right? Yeah. If you can make a problem for them go away, people will give you money for it. Yeah. So what's your gift? What is, what is the gift that you have that is so easy for you and others are saying, oh my gosh, that's so hard. You know, a lot, all of us have something that, that we can do that's just a piece of cake for us. What's that for you? Yeah. yeah, I'm the how guy. I'm the person who helps people figure out how to do it, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people know what they want to do. Some know why, mm -hmm. but the how is the hard part for most. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I got a background in engineering business. I'm really good at strategy and yeah. not just putting something on paper, but the execution of that actual strategy. 
people get lost, right? I, I call it going into the desert, right? And so for the nomads, for the people who want something different, they have to walk out of the jungle where it's plenty of fruit and shade and water in abundance. Right. And they have to walk into the jungle and they need to get from the jungle to the next oasis in the desert and then to the next oasis. And then eventually they reach their paradise. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't willing to keep going when you're scared that you're going to run out of water, you're scared that the heat's going to burn your skin or whatever else, then you'll turn around and you'll go back into the jungle. Mm-hmm. And the jungle is a proverbial matrix, yeah. right? Where you're comfortable, you have just enough, but you, you don't actually experience the bliss. Right. And I've learned from wandering around in the desert for a while and then eventually finding my paradise that there is no amount of comfort worth giving up the freedom. Yeah. And I agree. once you experience the freedom, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you said that. And, and then I want to talk about your, your investing. Uh, it's funny you said that. My son always wanted to be an entrepreneur because we are. And graduated from UVA, University of Virginia, in the comm school, top in his business class, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, he said, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, first, I want you to go to work. And he said, well, I don't want to because I want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, the thing about being an entrepreneur, and this is just my take on it. The thing about being an entrepreneur is that if you go and you be an entrepreneur, you can always say, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go get a job. But if you have a job and you want to be an entrepreneur, You'll do anything not to go back to that job. Anything. Anything. And that's where that, that passion, that drive comes from is I'm not going back there. Nope, not doing it. So I'll do anything to stay away from what I already know is not good. And that's the same sort of analogy, you know, that you were speaking about too. Okay. So let's talk about multifamily. So where did it start? You know, I think when people, especially in mortgage and real estate, when they hear multifamily, many people think, apartment buildings right away. They don't think about two unit, three unit, four and five. They think big units, right? Like what Grant Cardone is doing right now, right? He's doing, you know, $50 million apartment buildings right now. And he's got a whole buyer's club that's involved in it, which is really cool. But he's like really just doing crowdfunding for this $50 million thing. And, you know, those are big, big projects. You have to really understand what you're doing to invest in those types of things. Let's talk about where they get started. Yeah. So we call it getting tuna in the boat. And so for me, it started with a 23-unit apartment building behind the Chimbo Mart in Richmond, Virginia, right? But there's a lot of educators who will say, hey, go syndicate, go buy a 100-unit deal. It's all the rage. And in one deal, you make more than you've made in your job over the past year, and you'll get all the tax benefits and blah, 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 blah. I think they're selling an empty bag of goods. I don't think most people have ever operated a business. So to think that you're just going to go take down something so large with no experience, no capital, no credit, no, none of these things. If it sounds too good to be true, a lot of times it is. And so you really have to check the source and understand their, what they get out of you believing whatever they're showing you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And so if the idea is to sell you a coaching program for, you know, 30, 40, 50, I know one lady that spent $100,000 in coaching, then of course they're going to tell you you're going to make two fifty dollars or $300,000 in acquisition fee. Mm-hmm. With that said, 
I encourage people to start smaller like you would do with anything else, right? And so whether you're buying something using a residential loan or you go straight into commercial because you find somebody who has experience. And by the way, I think every investor is overcoming four things, right? It's knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital. People go to capital first because they think I'm going to buy something, so I need money. You worry about the capital last, especially a multifamily. I think you start with knowledge, right? So get a foundational body of knowledge as you would with anything else, right? If For the folks who are in the mortgage industry, I think they mm-hmm. have to take a test in order to be able to do it and get their license, right. Right? right? And you need to understand that knowledge in order to do that successfully. So find somebody who's going to give you that body of knowledge. And I'm not talking about a weekend boot camp because trying to apply all of that stuff that you learn over the course of three days over your journey, it's not actually going to sink in. It's not going to actually right. be meaty for you. So right. find somebody who's going to give you some knowledge over an extended amount of time and then start looking for deals, right? Apply that knowledge that you have against a bunch of different leads. Some of those will be deals, something that where you can actually make money. And I pick with leads and deals because they have the same letters, but mm-hmm. they're very different things. Right? Leads are things that are never going to make you money. Deals you can make money on. And you know, you're investing, right? So people will sell you something where you can't make money on it because it puts more money in their pocket. The one thing about the HUD is it's a zero sum game, right? If you either get a credit for it or you write a check for it. And so then experience, and this was the part where I got stuck, Jen. So I I mentioned early on that when I walked out, I thought I was just going to go borrow a million dollars to go buy a building. Well, I went to one bank and they said, no, we're not going to give you that. I was like, well, what do you mean? I got a credit score. I got some cash in the bank. Of course you are. And he was like, no, we're not. And so I was like, you guys are ludicrous and crazy. I'm going to go talk to the bank down the street. And so I did that 10 times. And then I finally realized that they were not going to give me a million dollars. And so we moved forward and I started fixing and flipping. And then I came back because while I was sitting on the stoop of a $90,000 rehab, guys don't do $90,000 rehabs. I had somebody pull up and they wanted to see the property and we walked through and he's like, man, this is amazing. And he's getting ready to walk out. He said, Hey, do you know anything about that building in Churchill? It's like, which one? The one behind the Chimbo Mart. Yeah. I tried to buy that. You did? Yeah, but, you know, I couldn't get it figured out. They said I needed to have experience. He's like, well, I'm getting ready to make an offer on it. And so I was like, man, you're the person I've been looking for, right? You must have experience if you're making an offer on the project. He said, well, yeah, we own a few things. I was like, please don't leave me out. Yeah. What are you going to bring to the table? I don't know. Please don't leave me out. And we did that two or three more times. And he just kind of shook his head in frustration and walked down the stairs and left. And I just knew because this was on a Wednesday. I just knew by Friday he was going to call me and say, hey, we got the deal. He didn't call. I thought, well, maybe Monday. He just needed a weekend to get it done. No call. The next Friday came and went. Nothing. I was like, I guess I missed my opportunity. And I tell that story because I think what's really important for the listeners to pull from that if they didn't get it already is you have to be able to articulate the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know, I had a certification in project management. I, I ran a decent sized business. Like there were plenty of things that I could bring to the table. I had some money in the bank, right? But I didn't say that. So he didn't know why he needed a partner with me. That was superficial. Yeah, it was superficial. And so, you know, we romanticize this concept of getting in business, right? Mm -hmm. But if you actually put it on the level that you should, which is it's a marriage with a predefined exit, then you begin to understand the gravity of the ask that you're making of people when you say, hey, I'd like to partner with you. And so bringing it back full circle, 
a buddy of mine that I used to do some hard money lending. Jen, I know you're, you've been involved in that game a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. When I used to lend some money. He said, hey, I got the opportunity to be a contractor on this project. I was like, what project? The one we talked about four or five months ago. And I told him the only way I'd be comfortable doing the deal is if you were a partner in it. And so that got me back to the table. And so that's how we did our first deal. And there was a press release that happened. And on the backside of that press release, my phone started ringing. It was the banks. They wanted to know, hey, what were we going to do once we got done with the property? Were we right. going to refinance it? Have we selected a lender? Now they wanted. Did I want to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I didn't know any more than I already knew before then, right? It's same business plan, but different partners, which led to a different experience for me because we'd actually done it, right? And so back to the four things, right? Knowledge, deal flow, experience, capital. If you got a deal, you need somebody with experience because the banks are looking for proven operators, right? They want to make sure that it doesn't default. This isn't a widget where you buy it. You know, I got my little notebook here, buy my notebook and then sell it for a little bit more than what I paid for it. Yeah. No, I actually got to make the building make more money. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, and I think partnering is a really good way to do it too, because that's something that we've had to do. You know, where we have experience in one area, they have experience in another. They may have the capital because, you know, the deal of the century comes around every week. And sometimes, of course. sometimes you you bought the deal of the century last week. And so you're low on capital this week. So you have to have all kinds of partners, not just capital partners and not just experienced partners, but all kinds of partners that could come in, you know, and help you with that deal of the century. Okay. So you bought this 22 unit property and now the rest is history. You're now moving on into other things. So your coaching is really about helping people identify the things that we talked about, the six steps that we talked about, and then moving into investing in multifamily units, correct? Yeah. So the prosperity piece Mm -hmm. is the way that they create their freedom, right? If my goal is to help you exit, I want to show you how to create a subscription model so that you have recurring income on a monthly basis with some lumps along the way to, you know, build up your savings and give you capital that you can invest in other places. Yeah. In addition to making sure that you are elevating yourself to the person you need to be in order to run an enterprise of that size. Right. If you're making 50 or 60 or $100,000 a year and you're trying to run a business that's doing, you know, a few million dollars a year, you're not the person you need to be in order to run that business yet. Right. You've got to grow. You have to improve and forget, you know, the 50 or 60. How much are you keeping on the backside of that? Because if you're not keeping any of it, then how can you expect your business to actually do well? It's not right because cash is like air. If your business runs out of cash, it dies. If you don't have air, you die. And so you got to figure out how to be able to generate the revenue. And what I've learned through talking to a ton of people is most folks don't know how to make money outside of their day job. And so my thought is if you can own a piece of property and somebody pay you for the use of it, that makes a lot of sense. And oh, by the way, let's insert a professional property manager so that you don't actually have to deal with the phone calls with the from the tenants and the toilets. Yeah, Trash. yeah, of course. Yeah, you really what you're talking about is the rich dad, poor dad, you know, Gentlemen. graph, right? The rich dad, poor dad graph, you know, in being on the left side and being on the right yeah. side of the graph, you know, employee quadrant. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the quadrant and, you know, the being the employee, being the sole proprietor, which is what most loan officers and real estate agents play in. Right. Mo- I would say most are sole proprietors. 
uh, because they're paid commission. And then the left side, you know, of the quadrant is business owner and entrepreneur. And a lot of people say, hey, I'm an, an entrepreneur, but they really aren't because they're a business owner. They really aren't because they're a sole proprietor. And so the goal is to get to that entrepreneurial. And like you said, hiring a manager, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not hiring a manager because <laughs> that's more money well, out of my pocket. But that's how it you is. get to, yeah, it, that's how you get to entrepreneurship. It's what do you do with that time that you're not spending dealing with the tenants? What do you do with that time to manifest more opportunities for yourself? Not resting on your laurels, but to manifest more opportunities for yourself. Then you can rest on your laurels. So, and I don't even like saying then you can, because, you know, I'm an advocate of live your legacy while you're building it. <laughs> right. Be, but, you, but, you, have to you be know, it. there is yeah. a wish a back and forth you have to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are running to the investor quadrant. Yeah. Very early and it's premature. I think yeah. that true wealth is created as a business owner. And then you spend the profits off of the business into investments that create revenue for you that you don't actually have to show up for. Yeah. So yeah, 1000%. And you know, that piece right there, I could actually get on the soapbox and preach for a long time because (laughs) you, again, whenever somebody's giving you the information and even me and Jen today, like what do we stand to gain by giving you this paradigm? For me, it's probably nothing because I'm telling you the blueprint on how to get the thing done, right? But the fact of the matter is people who tell you, hey, Put your money in the 401k and so on and so forth, or just telling you that so that they can manage the money for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any money in 401k. Don't believe in it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I know. Isn't that interesting that you're saying that? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, my purpose, of course, it's been for the last seven and a half years in this podcast is to provide information for people to be able to make their own decisions, to get more resources, more information so that they can be really, really educated on making their their own decision about how they want to have their business, their practice move. So you have been inspirational. Thank you so much for being here with us today. What would you like to leave our group with? Well, if they want to learn more about our approach to multifamily investing, I would love for them to hop over to JeromeMyers.co and grab our four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. And it just gives you kind of that step-by-step process that will allow you to create revenue outside of your your day job. I think most folks only think that they can do single family homes. And yeah. there's a whole lot of difference in approach between a single family home and doing a $50 million deal like my man, Uncle GC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Listen, and he's got like seven of them going right now, not just one. It's crazy. It's crazy. But hey, he's using OPM. That's the thing. He's using crowdfunding and other people's money to make these things happen. You know, and I think that's pretty cool too. So, well, thank you again, Jerome. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for your insight on the Myers method that I now understand and also the multifamily and how to start working in that. So what I encourage everyone who's listening to do is replay this, take notes, make sure that you're taking and putting these things into action. As I always say, stop talking, take action, and then you will get the results. You have to execute on everything that you're hearing today. So find that one thing that you want to talk about. Maybe it's contacting a real estate agent that works in multifamily. Maybe it's contacting a loan officer who works in multifamily and does multifamily financing so that you can learn more about that. 
And of course, as usual, please give us a great rating and write us a great review so that we can continue to serve you for years and years to come. Jerome, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jen. So grateful to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.